This is the Horse Radio Network. This is Lesson 49 of Equine Clicker 101 Podcast on the Horse Radio Network. From too eager or frustrated to relaxed. Equine Clicker 101 is a podcast that takes you to the class to learn and practice clicker training for your horse. This episode is brought to you by Via Nova Training in Santa Fe, New Mexico. This is Shauna Karish, and in today's episode, I'm going to talk with you about the too eager, too excited, too big, or or the frustrated horse, and how to take them and, and turn that into relaxation and how to address that. Um, one of the things that people ask me all the time is, where do I find clickers? Where do I find side buckets? Where do I find your book, where do I find targets, whatever it might be. And you can find all of those things uh, if you go to www.shawnacarish.com. So if you go, if you Google my name, you go to shawnacarish.com and go to the product page. And, and what you'll also find out there is that is attached to Vianova training website. And let's learn a little bit more about Vianova Priority to Positive. At Vianova, our mission is to bring awareness of positive reinforcement training to the mainstream equestrian world from the top competitors to the casual enthusiast. It helps to create happy horses and ultimately improves the athletic performance. So if you are performing with your horse, it can help you to have a happy athlete or it can have you a happy trail horse, whichever you want. It creates a unique bond with your horse and it can be used to help save some behavioral issues on the ground or even under saddle. As I said, I'm based out of there and I have the expertise and experience that can help bring you to the next stage of the game. Also, Vianova offers coaching and education and positive reinforcement that enhances any training program. And we're based in lovely Santa Fe, New Mexico. So it's a great place to come for workshops or positive reinforcement, but also enjoy the Southwest scenery shopping and dining. And boy, do we have good dining. Visit Vianovatraining.com and you can sign up for our newsletter and you can stay abreast of what's going on out here via Nova. All righty, everybody, here we are. We're in the classroom together to talk about a really pretty big subject. You know, this is one of the things that happens oftentimes when we start our horses with positive reinforcement. And if you went through the first six episodes, you probably have your horse off to a nice, good, relaxed start. But sometimes we haven't started there. You know, my my goal is to help you sidestep some of the the the, the problems are they're not problems are challenges that can come up with positive reinforcement and one of them is over uh, being over aroused being too excited being you know too eager to go to to be almost frantic feeling and we don't want that in our horse and what that can often lead to is frustration so now we have horses they're so excited but they don't know what the answer is and now they're just frustrated about how to have it happen faster almost like the little kid going to Disneyland, you know, and, and, and they are bouncing around the car and they're like, Oh my gosh, we're going to Disneyland. Oh my gosh, we're going to Disneyland. And you're like, Whoa, I shouldn't have told you. And then, 
and and then if you you have to stop to to get something to eat, and then they're kind of frustrated because we're not going to Disneyland. And so that's kind of how our horses can get. They want to know how to make it happen. They want to get there. They want to get on with the training session. But sometimes they don't know the answer in the training session, and we can bring about, or we don't know how to help them get the answer, and it can bring about some frustration. So both of those lead to lead to a horse who is not relaxed, who has some tension for one reason or another. So what we're going to talk about is recognizing some of that overexcited and trying to take it down to a nice, more relaxed, settled place. So what does over arousal, overexcitement, too eager, too frantic look like? That can look like a horse who is, even from the moment you walk up to their paddock or their stall, they are over the moon. They're like, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and their head's going back and forth, and they're, they may be weaving. They may just be kind of standing in place, but moving back and forth. Their head can be really high, and their eyes really big, and a lot of tension in their 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 cheeks and their lips and their nose. It can be, it can be making circles. It can be, it can be any one of those things. And any of those things to me says, okay, that's a little too much. And so I want them to be relaxed. Now, now I want to, to remind you, you know, we've talked about classical conditioning and how we become classically conditioned. We become reinforcers. So even our own presence can become a secondary reinforcer. When they see us, they think, oh, good things happen. I want the lady or the man, the person, the human to come here. And so our presence is indicates that all good things can happen. So that, that this other world that they love, we become associated with. So we approaching them in their stall or their paddock being too wound up can unintentionally reinforce that behavior because we go get them like that. They think this is how I got them to come here. This is how I got them to come here. So I have to do that every single time we reinforce that behavior and they can think it's part of the equation, but what we want them to be, and then we start out kind of behind the eight ball. You know, we're, we're starting out with a horse who's wound up to the moon and, and we don't want that. That's not ideal for learning. It's not ideal for safety. It's not, you know, and how do we get them to slow down and think when they're in this place? It's just like, oh, let's go do. So what we want to do is we want to help them to get to a more relaxed place. We want them to get more settled. Now, I just can't stand there and stare at them when they're like, I know we're about to do something. That doesn't help them. So a lot of times what I will do, if I approach a horse who is too big, too much, too excited, too over the moon, I will just turn away. And I will stand for a minute close enough. I may take a couple steps away. A lot of times I, I break eye contact. I will take out my phone. I soften all my body parts so that I am getting softer and, and it looks like I have no intention of doing anything. And I will, and the reason I take my phone out is sometimes I start you know, answering emails or playing a game or something. I'm really still paying attention to my horse but I want to put my attention someplace else so that they kind of feel like, oh, she's gone someplace else. When they feel like just slightly, I feel like they're like, oh, we're not doing a session. I will reinforce and immediately walk up and try to approach them when they are in that place. Since my action can be reinforcing what is going on, I want to try to create the right 
energy. I want to create the right behavior, the behavior that I want to see more of. So I want it to be a relaxed thing. I want settled to be a part of every equation. So that's how I would dress it from the early get-go. But one of the things I think we, we unintentionally get very, well, this part's intentional. We get very excited about the training. We love the training. It's fun. It's, 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 it's fun to see their enthusiasm. It's fun to see them being so responsive and me and us being able to teach things so quickly. So in the very beginning, I talk about you know, we need relaxation to be a part of it. We want to stand and have them keep their head to themselves. And we build that into relaxation. And we can sometimes get that to be really, really relaxed and quiet and calm and nice and look beautiful. And and so we get that part really solid. But then sometimes we move into, I mean, we tend to move into doing stuff. Now we're going to start dealing with the lifting your leg or going in the trailer or your canter to part or the reverse round pen or going to the target or, or, you know, all these little things. And we can unintentionally turn the training into an activity. Instead of it being quiet and still, they start learning. It's all about doing stuff. Let's do stuff. Let's do this. Let's do that. Let's do this. Let's do that. And so they associate the the, the training and the anticipation of training is all kind of linked in with, with activity. And so that's what they offer us. They think activity has been the thing that really gets a lot of reinforcement. So let me think of stuff to do. I want to do stuff. Let's do stuff, do stuff, do stuff. And, and, and that can unintentionally, we can, we can, may have reinforced that behavior. So what I try to do when I'm working with the horses and I, to this day, doing a session with Mint, who is 28 now, doing a session with him, I will still put relaxation and he is relaxed. He's very zenny. But if I'm doing stuff, which I have to be honest, we don't do a lot of sessions these days because he is retired and old and not so sound, but he is very eager and likes to do stuff. So we still do sessions. But while I may be doing some stuff, I still go from activity to quiet. So I go activity and then I say, let's stand together for a moment and do nothing. And so I go back to that default, that beginning behavior of just standing quietly side by side. So I go from higher energy to lower energy to higher energy to lower energy. So I'm making sure that mentally I can bring them back down and I make sure that I'm also re reinforcing a lot of quiet behavior so that there is a balance between the activity and the quiet. So if so really a tool that I go back to a lot of times when I have a horse who starts to feel like they're getting too much, they're getting too busy, they're too big, it's it, 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 they're feeling a little too much, I just go back and go, okay, let's, I take a deep breath, I exhale, I stand side by side and look for them to start to soften and relax and stand beside me. Now, hopefully in the beginning, this behavior has been something you've really honed and made really, really, really strong. So as you ask for that, as you stand quietly and you cue them, let's go back to that nice, relaxed, side-by-side -side default position, which has relaxation built into the criteria. They can go back to performing that behavior in a relaxed way and we can get them back to a relaxed place. So it's really important that we're aware of that. You know, because it's unintentional. We don't know that we've created this. But remember, any behavior that's increasing in frequency or maintaining in frequency means something's reinforcing it. And they're making choices constantly to, to choose the behavior 
that has the strongest reinforcement history. So if I have a horse who's throwing a thousand behaviors at me, I kind of go, huh, that seems to be what he thinks is the most important behavior. You know, this is the behavior that he thinks is going to get him the most reinforced. But there also is an intrinsic value in there. A busy horse is going to find doing stuff to be more reinforcing than standing quietly. So, so not only have we maybe reinforced doing stuff because we've, we've shifted to this place, but it also has an intrinsic value that is quite reinforcing. So I need to then go, you know what? I need to, to build up even stronger reinforcement history with standing quietly until it is something that is also intrinsically reinforcing that they just do it. And they think I love this endorphins, dopamines, happy horse. And, and that's what we want it to be. So keep that in mind as you look and think, boy, my horse is doing too much. Okay. Well, we need to get back to helping him do, do, do less and, and be calmer and to be more quiet. Now we can't just stand and stare at him and say, be relaxed. It's, it doesn't work like that. It was in the beginning and still to this day is a shaping process where we have to say, well, that's a little bit better. You let go of a little bit of tension. Your eyes got a little softer. Your head went a little bit lower. Your, your lip is a little less tight. Your, you know, your tail's less swishy. Your foot's quiet. You're not pawing. Whatever those pieces. And maybe in the beginning, it's like, yes, you're just stopped weaving, <laughs> you know, are you still just stopped being dancing all over the place? And, and that's what I'm going to take for now. And that's not really relaxed, but it's less activity and tape it down to quieter, quieter, quieter. And if you need to, I'm going to recommend that you go have a review of the, the first and second lesson. The first lesson in particular, I really start to address how do we create relaxation for a horse who's very eager about this new training. So going back and, and listening to that again will help remind you some of these, these exercises. But I also think it's, it's important as we get to this place, we, we forget to go back to those basic exercises. But you know what? I go back to those basic exercises all the time. You know, I take the horses there all the time and think I need to strengthen this because I, I've lost this somehow. And, and this is really important. But but so we're, we're going to deal with it in the context of where we are today. But that can also strengthen some of these lessons. And then the other side of this is the frustrated horse. So now now, frustrated and over eager can look kind of similar in a lot of ways. One's going to look a little bit more grumpy, <laughs> it, it, just to be a little anthropomorphic there, but one looks a little more soured about it or a little more intense about it versus just a busy kind of chaotic about it. And now, and if we don't address the busyness, it can go to the frustration pretty quickly. Or if we just stand there and look at them and say, be quiet, what are you doing? This isn't what I want. We can send them to a frustrated place because up until that point, it, so now let's say you recognize, okay, I have, oh, I've been reinforcing this busyness and now I have a busy horse who's, who's a little chaotic feeling and I need to work on, we've lost our relaxation. I'm going to go back and I'm going to work on that. But if you don't do it in a systematic way where you're helping them to understand what you're looking for and taking tiny steps towards what you're looking for, then oftentimes what you get is the horse going, I don't get it. This was working. All this chaotic stuff was working and now it's not. 
And you can send them into what's called an extinction schedule on their way to an extinction burst. And basically what that means is this behavior worked for me. I got reinforced for this. This was the answer. And now you're saying this isn't going to work. This isn't the answer. This isn't, I'm not going to get reinforced for this. And so that can become quite frustrating for them because they don't know now what to do about it. You know, now they're like, well, what? It did work and now it doesn't. I don't have a new answer to replace the old answer. And so that's where in a systematic way, we want to give them an old, a new answer to replace the old answer. So we need to do it in little teeny, 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 tiny steps or help to set them up for success by setting up our environment, you know, or our antecedent arrangements is, is a big way to say it, but, but it is helping to set them up for success using several things. And what I'm going to discuss a couple of those things in just a minute. I just wanted to elaborate a little bit more. The extinction schedule means things have now started to not be reinforced. An extinction burst is when they keep trying, they keep trying, they keep trying to the point where it is, they are trying so hard, it can almost be, it can become dangerous in certain situations. So they try bigger and harder. And and it may be that they're thinking, well, doing all this activity didn't work. I might try kicking and biting you know, because they're just trying to do more activity and bigger activity and more intentional activity or more frustrated activity. And so we want to avoid that. That's not a place we want to go. This isn't creating the happy mental place with endorphins and dopamines and serotonin levels and, you know, good things to happen and good associations to be made. So we want to avoid that. So that's a little bit about the extinction schedule and extinction burst. So that is something to uh, to avoid. So what we need to do is in a systematic way, really try to help them get to a place where they can be relaxed. And that's where we go to the place of thinking about one, when are they relaxed? So is there any way that, you know, when you taught that initial part, did you really stand next to them and get them really solid with that behavior? If so, you may be able to go right back to that and say, remember this and reinforce it at a very high level. While it may have been that you could stand together for, you know, 30 seconds and be calm and relaxed without clicking and feeding in that time, you built some duration there. Don't expect that right now if you haven't worked on that. So uh, lately, you know, that you haven't done that in a while. Go back and say, let me use the steps that I used to help teach this in the first place. So if you need to give them a mouthful of food, like in the very beginning, and let them have that mouthful of food while they're chewing and they're thinking, ah, I got my reinforcement, click and feed while they're chewing because it's typically the most relaxed part of the, the whole process, you can click and feed that again. And you can click and feed that again. And then you can build up a little bit more time. You've done one, you've created some satiation. Two, you've reinforced a, a relaxed mindset, relaxed body. I mean, they're chewing, but they're not thinking, they're not seeking. They're not thinking, what do I have to do? What do I have to do? They're just like, I'm calm, I'm relaxed. So do the steps you did that helped create the calm and relaxed in the first place. So it, what I think is really important about having these successive approximations and, and not, I, I'm not a big fan necessarily of capturing behavior, although I do do it sometimes or 
pre-shaping behavior, I want the steps to go back to, to be able to go back to those building blocks, to remind them and rebuild that behavior. So go back to those steps, go back and use those and help remind them where they, how you got there and build on those. So you can get back to having relaxation and them understanding this is standing quiet and still and, and, and standing still doesn't mean frozen with their head in place and high, although that's a step towards getting them to stand relaxed. I will take that step, but hopefully you've got to a place where they're truly relaxed. So if you've done that, that makes it easy. You can go back to those steps. If you have not done that, I'm going to really definitely encourage those people to go back to the first lesson and listen to it and really try to create lessons based on that or, or listen to that first lesson, create sessions based on that first lesson so you can create more relaxation. But another thing I think of is how can I set their environment up for success? How can I help set them up to, to succeed? What can I, what can I do to help them? Is there any time in the day when they're the most relaxed? If so, I'm going to work in that time of day. Maybe it's right after they ate their dinner, you know, and they're like, woof. I'm kind of tired. I've been out all day. I've done all this stuff. I've been ridden. I played. I, you know, did all these things. I had a lot of stimulation. And then they are going to be in a more settled place. And maybe that's a good time to start to begin relaxation. Maybe it's when they're, you know, they're, it's not the time when their buddy just left to go on a trail ride with their owner. You know, now that they may be a little frantic and concerned, that's not a good time to work on relaxation. Work on it when they're back together and they're nice and quiet. So think about the things. When is my horse most relaxed? How can I help create relaxation? Maybe I shouldn't do it before exercise. Maybe I should take them out and ride first and give them some reinforcement under saddle, get him some exercise, get him some interactions, and he'll be, maybe he's more relaxed afterwards. You know, he's not feeling so desperate for the session. Whatever it is, you got to pay attention to your horse and, and learn and figure out where are they the most relaxed? When are they the most relaxed? And those and, and what creates the most relaxation and utilize those things. And you know what else this does that I think is super important? It helps us to start to really be observing our horses, you know, because if you're if you don't know when your horse is most relaxed, you start paying attention and think, I don't know. When are you most relaxed? I'm going to sit back here and I'm going to watch you or I'm going to pay more attention while I'm cleaning my tack. Are you relaxed or are you not relaxed? When you're, when I'm, you know, whatever the pieces might be and saying, oh, Bucky just left the stable. Now look, my horse isn't relaxed. You know, now he's worried or he's concerned or now maybe he's more relaxed because he doesn't care for Bucky, his neighbor, whatever it is. So it really helps us to learn to observe and sit down to be able to really pay attention to their behavior. This is all part of the coming up with a solution for our horses, coming up with a way to help set them up uh, for for success, set them up and, and, and learn more about them and when their behavior changes and what they seem to like or what they seem to not like or what they, what creates tension in them. So I think it's all really, really important. Now remember, frustration typically is one beyond the over eager horse, but, but, but they're addressed the same way. So, so frustration or, or the over aroused, over excited, over eager horse, it, it, they really are going to be addressed the same way. However, 
if you have a horse that's showing frustration and frustration can it can be kind of scary. You know, frustration can look a little more surly, can look a little more aggressive, can look a little more, you know, make you want to back off and go, I don't want to deal with this horse because this horse is making me nervous. So a great way to deal with this, and I really, really encourage this, is to use protected contact. So through, it's, it's not forever, but it is a stage that as we're trying to make clear and we're trying to help our frustrated horses who maybe is kind of showing a little propensity towards a little, you know, maybe little behaviors that we don't want to be a part of, use, utilizing the protected contact is really quite helpful because it puts us in a safe place and it gives us a chance to, to feel comfortable enough to be next to them as we're teaching them a new lesson that we can do outside of protected contact. So do not hesitate to go there. If you feel ill at ease, even the overexcited horse, it doesn't mean that their excitement can turn to dangerous behavior. It's not meant to be mean. It's not meant to be bad, but they're too big. They're too much. Babies are too much. I don't care if they're six months old. In fact, that's where I first figured it out was with a six-month-old. I was working with my George, who wasn't my George at the time, but it was the first baby I worked with. And I thought, well, with the marine mammals, we run and play when we have a good session. And so I ran and played, and he was just rearing in hooves. And I thought, oh, I could die. And I, you know, I didn't think about that because he's a baby, but, but he could, his excitement was just too much. I do. Whoa. Okay. New plan. Do not do that out, with outside of protected contact. So I did it in protected contact until I knew that we had impulse control and we had some self-regulation and we could bring it back down and energy could go up and energy could, could come down. So sometimes even the overexcited horse can be in a place where, it gets dangerous. So if you feel slightly uncomfortable or slightly uncertain about what your horse might do in any way, shape, or form, I'm going to encourage you to utilize that protected contact. It's a great thing. And it, and it, like I said, it's a phase as you're teaching and checking. Can you bring it back down? Do you know what to do? Is, is relaxation or a relaxed behavior, behavior that includes relaxation, going to be your choice? Can I, can I ask you to go there and you just drop everything and go there? When you have that, you have a little bit more, you know, a certainty, a, a little bit more certainty that you can go there, you know, and you can, you can help take that big energy to, to safer energy and bring it back down. So, um, so utilizing protected contact, whether it's on the other side of a fence on the other side of a gate, the other side of a stall door, the other side of a run, you know, the other side of a reverse round pen, whatever it is, you can create protected contact in a number of ways. So I think that it is important to utilize that if, if things have gone a little bit past your comfort level. So those are our basic uh, kind of trying to recognize what, and, and recognizing frustration. Frustration may look more like pinned ears. It may look more like a little gnashy teeth, like they're kind of biting at you. And, and again, it, biting can also come with the overexcited horse. And again, it's not malicious. 
It's them kind of going, let's play, let's play, let's do this. And, and even the frustrated can be kind of like, hey, I need your attention, that they're not trying to hurt you. Is it dangerous? Yes. So you need to take it as such. So it can look like, it can be bitey, it can be nippy, it can be... It can be pawing, it can be striking, it can be ears pinned, it can be, you know, snaking around. It can look like a lot of things, but it is still going to be addressed in the same way. But I definitely encourage more protected contact without a doubt in the other, when you see it kind of looking a little bit more surly and a little bit more, uh, frustrated because that that's that's not a happy place even like I said either one can go wrong so looking for those signs now one of the things this brings me to and I want to address that the ears pinned doesn't necessarily always mean that they're that they're mad and angry it may and they're to be taken seriously the flatter they are the more I really associate it with um anger and biting but but kind of even putting them back can be uh, I'm expressing discontent I'm expressing frustration I'm expressing pain but sometimes there's some horses like working cow horses who oftentimes put their ears back when they're working with the cow and it's something they like something they enjoy and it is something that you will see them doing on their own so it is not it is not necessarily to be, it can mean a lot of things. I guess that's what I'm saying about ears back can mean a lot of things. And you know, there's horses that, and some people say, oh, he's just thinking and processing. Sometimes I think that's true, but there's a lot of situations where people have said that. And I thought, mm, I don't think that's true. I think he looks pretty tense and unhappy. So, so it, it's a, it's a clue, you know, it's something to be looked at, but I don't think it's been shown with any certainty what it what it definitely means. You know, we don't know for sure what it means. And there's times I really do think there's horses that they're like, okay, I'm trying to solve the puzzle. And they look kind of, you know, their ears will go back, not hard pinned back, but they'll kind of go back a bit and they're, they're trying to do stuff and they, and it just is, it really is thinking, but you know what I equate it to? Like I'm doing a crossword puzzle and I'm doing a crossword puzzle and I, if you took a picture of me doing a crossword puzzle, I might have my face all pursed up and look scowly because I'm concentrating and I'm thinking, what's that word? I don't know that word. Oh, it's not coming to me. And it, I, and I love doing the crossword puzzle. I could walk away from it any moment or time in time. And I don't, I love to do them. I look forward to do them. I'm excited about doing them, but it may create, um, it may look like I don't, if you took a snapshot of my face in that time, you may, you may associate that or link that with something that, that wasn't really accurate in what I was feeling. So, so, or, you know, if somebody even came to me and said, tomorrow, you're going to go on the vacation of your lifetime. I'm going to send you anywhere you want for two weeks. Where do you want to go? I might panic and my face might get all scrunched up as I'm concentrating to figure out where I want to go, but it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. So keep that in context with, try to look at it in context. And again, this is going to challenge you to learn more about your horse and develop more observational skills and recognize what's true for your horse or one horse is probably not going to be the same for every horse. I'm, I'm, I'm going to guarantee you it's not the same for every horse. So 
remember to look at each horse in each situation anew. What does it mean here? What does it mean there? What does it mean here? What is the big picture telling me? Okay. So that was a little bit more about trying to read that body language and and really what does it all mean and what do ears pinned mean? It doesn't necessarily always mean that they're angry or biting, but don't disregard it either because it might. So so there you go. Little little warning and a little challenge for you. You know, it's a always a challenge to start to learn more about our horses and what our horses do. And if you feel like you've got that down pretty good, you've been together a long time, you know what it's like, start paying attention to another horse. You know, it's maybe it's a, a pasture mate of your horse, but what does he do with his owner? Doesn't mean you have to act on it or tell them. Sometimes people do not want to hear it, I'll tell you, but but you can start observing, you know, this seems to go with this. And isn't that interesting? He doesn't do this when my horse would and, and all those different things. One more thing I'm going to talk about, about the ears back while I got ears back on the mind is I had a client that wanted me to teach um, her horse to not put their ears back. And, and I, I had reservations about that, you know, that, okay, putting ears forward on cue. I'm easier with that because then you're cueing them to put their ears back. But I didn't want to teach them to just never have their ears back because I think it is a very clear communication of something. And so I don't want that that communication to be masked. I, I would rather a horse say think, I am so mad and I'm so upset, but I keep my ears forward. And then, then, and then all of a sudden bite somebody, you know, I'd rather see the ears go back and the ears get tighter and tighter and tighter and tighter. I like to know that communication. I want that precursor to whatever it might mean to be very honest and, and available. Cause that's, that is, I don't want to mask that. I don't want to teach them to hide that from me. I don't want them to teach a hide spookiness from me. If they're startled at something, I want to know because then I can help them with that. I can you know, have a good response to help them get back on track or whatever it is. So, so that I think is an important thing to keep in mind as, as your horse is doing these things, you might want to create more relaxation. One thing I will say is the ears being back does mean there is some tension, whether it's focus tension, whether it's, you know, chasing the target tension. And that's another thing when we go into the, the, the target lesson, as you listen to that, I think it's lesson three. And I say, teach them to, to pursue the target versus having to touch the target. Cause if we start moving the target after they, we've said only touch it and they think, well, I'm trying to touch it and you're moving it. That's not fair. We can create some frustration and ears may go back. So I make sure that I reinforce them for just even looking at the target then moving their head towards the target and then stepping towards the target. So they get the idea it's pursuing the target. That's so important. I hope that part's clear. Anyway, so there are some little lessons about body language, about trying not to create the ears going back, about wanting to them to communicate. One of the things I love most about Henley, Henley is so demonstrative. I mean, she's my yearling for those of you that don't know, and she's about a year and a half by now. And she is, she has opinions and she shows them. She shows them right off the bat. She's very optimistic. She's very, to be anthropomorphic, she, she looks at the world as good. The world is here for her. She's not grumpy. She's not surly. She's not, you know, looking at things as, you know, bad or aggressive. But, but she will show you exactly how she feels. You know, curiosity. I want to go this. I want to do that. And I love that about her. 
She, it's very clear what she likes. It's very clear what she doesn't like. It's very clear when she likes it. And, and I love all that. And I never want that to go away because it is very loud communication, loud, loud, loud communication for me to be able to go, okay, I get where you're coming from because my goal isn't to change who she is or take her personality away. It's to teach us to work together and teach her to want to work together. And sometimes we both compromise and go, okay, I'll go and do it your way. And sometimes I go, okay, well, we'll do it. I'll let you do it your way, you know? And so I think that that's one of the things I love about her and I never want to go away. And a lot of times when we work with horses that have come from other places or have, you know, sometimes they're just, you know, Minty's a little more of an internal horse. He's not as demonstrative. I've really tried to work on that with him. But having them, if we if they've been through other things, sometimes we unintentionally have shut down that, you know, that spookiness. We've like, don't, and we've corrected them. Then they're like, don't show it, but I'm still spooky. So we've unintentionally done it or other people have, and they come to us and we don't know all that. So, so we try to teach them. One of the things I try to encourage is to give them a voice and have them be able to learn how to express themselves again. And that's one of the things Murray learned to do. I I miss him all the time, but he finally came out of his shell and he learned that it's safe to show how he feels. And that was really an important step for his growth and his confidence and us to work together as a team. Okay. I've rambled on and on. (laughs) So I'm going to stop now. So what we're going to do, I have a horse, Nico. He's a horse I work with a lot, a horse you have seen, or well, you haven't seen, but well, maybe you have if you've gone and done other things, but he's a horse that is, you've heard about that I work with, have worked with often. I haven't worked with him very much in the past four months. Just you know, some circumstances here have had me kind of out of the barn mostly. So when I go see him, he is, he is just too excited. He's nickering and he's, he's all over the place. And he's just like, oh my gosh, we're going to go do things. And, 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 And he has a hard time putting his halter on and he starts wanting to take it like a bit. And you're like, no, no, we just take it normal. Keep your mouth closed. So it's all this big he shows me all his excitement and I'm trying too hard. So I'm going to be taking him out and reminding him because he does know it, but it is not his go-to. It is not, he has a lot of nervousness from years before he got to me. And so he tends to go to that excitement level a little bit too quickly. And his excitement is intertwined with nervousness. So it is, it is even a little detrimental to him more than anything, because it makes him a little more jumpy, kind of nervous. And what can I do? Oh, I'm not doing it right. Versus, you know, I'm just going to walk over you, <laughs> which there's both sides of that coin. So I'm going to be working with Nico. So I'm going to go get him ready. I'm going to take him to the indoor arena. And I want you to go get, I mean, get him ready, get his halter. I'm going to go get the target, the side bucket. I'm going to have, I'm going to have the target in case I need it. I'll probably use the target. I'm going to go get my side bucket. I'm going to get my clicker. I'm going to go get him. And then I'm going to, and, and to be honest with you, you know what? We're going to start at a stall. That's where we're going to start. So because that's where his problem comes in. Your horse might be that you want to take him right to the arena because that's where the problem comes in. Nico starts right away. I have to start on relaxation the second I see him. Uh, See him. 
I'm, I'm, I'm 20 feet from him. And the second he sees me is really when the problem starts. So that's where I'm actually going to start with you guys. So you go get ready, get your horse ready, get some pieces and stuff that you want to. And I will meet you at Nico's stall or your, your, wherever you're going to go in just a moment. Alrighty, I am. Um, I, I'm not here with Nico yet because that's where it all starts. But I'm I'm out of eye shot with him, and I actually he probably hears me talking, and is already hopeful. You know, it doesn't mean he's dancing yet, but he hears that voice that is is kind of distinct, and you know, you know that I hate to hear on vo- recording, but he hears it, and he's probably started already. But one of the things when I go see him, he is excited because he knows what's coming, you know, and I think it is important to, I don't want to punish him for something like this. I don't want to correct him in any harsh way. I want him to learn how to reel himself in. I've taught him this. This is a good thing. This isn't a bad thing, but, but I need to help him. And he had this a little bit, this excitement level really, I think came when he first discovered that this was the best thing ever because he lived in a fearful world, you know? So now he's like, Oh my gosh, I love this. And, and he had a, you know, he had a little bit less experienced people starting him. So he got a little bit of, um, he, 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 it's gotten a little beside himself with it. And so I don't want to punish him. I don't want to correct him. I just want to say, okay, I want to capture the moments when he is quietest and, and act quickly on those moments. So a lot of times what I'll do is when I see him be quiet, I will click and I will immediately go into him and reinforce him. So if I click from further away, remember the bridge signal, bridge is a time lapse between the moment from which he did something correct and the moment which I can reinforce him. So if I've clicked, I want to I want to speedily get to him and reinforce him so that I'm not giving him a whole lot of time to practice all that other stuff in between, but I clicked so I'm not really going to worry too much about what came in between unless it was horrible, you know, something really bad happened. I'm just going to say I clicked and I'm coming to reinforce you. So I I don't get too stuck on that because that's not fair. It's you know, it's a bridge signal bridging those two things. So as I round that corner, I guarantee you, if he is not looking my direction, as soon as he does look my direction, he's going to get hopeful and excited. Okay, so I'm rounding the corner now. I'm about 50 feet from him, and he is looking out his door, which is a thank goodness. And as I walk up, okay, now he's turned around, and he sees me, and he's a little bit excited. So I'm just going to break that eye contact for a minute. I'm going to turn to the side. Everything's going to soften. He got too excited. If it's a little excited, I'll kind of keep going and try to get to something, uh, get him to more relaxed quickly. But he kind of recognized with the side bucket that was coming to him. And I hadn't a long time like this. So I just look for him to relax a little bit. And so very kind of perfect. I, I, so just now I clicked and I'm walking right up to feed him. What he did, and I'm opening the door quickly and I got that door going and I don't want to 
dilly dally on the uh, the reinforcer. I don't dilly dally about any of that. Once I'm beside him, I can work on the relaxation. So I I clicked. I came in. I fed him through the bars first. Got that door open and got to him. And now I am with Nico. So I'm reinforcing again as I'm in here, and 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 trying to to get right down to business of relaxation. So relaxation is coming a little bit through satiation for him. And I made sure that he had hay. He always has hay um, in front of him. So it's not, you know, I'm not working with a hungry horse. That doesn't help anybody out. So I want to be sure that I don't have a hungry horse for the over eager, especially sometimes I even go in and I give him you know, a few big handfuls, you know, I give them half a scoop of the hay pellets before I start. So they've just eaten a bit and feel a little better. So now what I'm doing, I'm standing right beside Nico and he, he's wickering a little bit. And I, I, that's a little, I don't necessarily want that, but I'm not going to worry about that as he gets his head away. Cause he, it, when he gets too excited, his head starts going, I, I, my head's away. It's looking at you. My head's away. Did you see that? My head's away. Did you see that? <laughs> and I don't need all that. So I'm looking Okay, there you go. I look for him just to keep his head away for an extra moment. He knows this. This is his early training, but I have to go back to it and remind him. So I'm reinforcing him again. And these are big, giant handful, folks. I'm not being chintzy. I'm I'm satiating as much as I can because this is part of the problem is his desire to want to seek what he wants. I'm giving him what he's seeking. So I'm giving him a bunch of it. And by now, he knows the training itself is just fun. He knows I'm fun. He knows I'm safe. He knows it's good. It's all good things for him. So I'm looking for him to keep his head away because now I know what's coming up and I'm reinforcing him quite a bit for that. I'm actually going to give him a few handfuls in his bucket here because I'm going to get his halter. So what happens is, and, and while I'm talking, I'm going to give him a couple more handfuls. So he's eating a little bit here, but as I mentioned earlier, when he is excited and goes to get his halter on, if there's too much excitement, he starts trying to take it like a bit. And you're like, sweetie, this isn't, this isn't what we're doing. You know, this is not, that's not the part. So I want him to just put his nose in. So this is something that he has learned and a butt, and it's something I have to go back to. And one of the things I'm going to give him a couple more handfuls. He, a lot of times is taken out during every single day. He is taken in and out from the paddock. So it means twice a day he is haltered up by the guys. The guys don't really do positive reinforcement training. So, you know, he doesn't lead as well. You know, when I haven't worked with him for a while, I oftentimes go, wow, he's leading like four feet ahead of me. <laughs> and and he's taking his bit like a wild man. I mean, he's taking his, his halter like a wild man taking a bit. So, so sometimes these things slip. But when I really start to work it, he gets better for them as well. So when I really work those two pieces and, and do this with some diligence, he gets better about doing it all the time. So I think that's really good to know. He gets better for them. And and sometimes some horses just learn to discriminate. I do whatever I want for them and I do this good for you, but he just gets better for them because it's his excitement settles. So now I'm going to go, he's still finishing up his, he has a, a handful in there. So I grabbed his halter from outside his stall and so what I'm going to do is, um, so I'm going to kind of go low with him and he's still chewing, which actually is really good. And so I held the 
the halter in front of him and he dipped his nose in quite nicely. And that's really good. So I put it over his ears. That part's no problem. I have it clicked. I'm going to reinforce him a lot here. I'm going to put a couple more handfuls in his bucket. So he one, he came away from the the bit that was still in there. It wasn't a ton of food in there, but there's still a little, probably a handful, a smaller handful of hay pellets in his little bucket there. But he came away from it and put his halter on. So I want to give him a couple more and say, you can go back to your halter. It didn't mean just because you came to halter that you can't have the rest of your food. So I want to be sure that he learns that just because he decides to do something, it doesn't mean that I'm taking him away from that reinforcement. But what I strategically did, which helped me, was he was chewing. So he didn't. He, he was one, a little more satiated, a little less like, oh my gosh, how do I get what I want? But he was also keeping the food in his mouth by keeping his mouth closed. So he doesn't chew with his mouth open. So it helped me as he was chewing, just to, he dipped his head in without thinking about the, the biting and, and the, the seeking of the bit, you know, as he's trying to try too hard. Because basically that's all it is. He's trying too hard. He's trying to make stuff up that isn't there. And, and one of the first things his, his past owner worked on with positive reinforcement with him because she recognized this is going to help him was to take the bit and, and then kind of realize, wait, taking the bit, it, it was really all the other stuff under saddle, but it showed up at him not taking the bit. So then she decided it, it, this isn't right for him. And uh, 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 that's history now. But so, so that was a, a behavior that was an early behavior and they like to hang on to that. So that was great. So now we're going to do, we're going to lead to the, to the indoor arena and the indoor arena is like mm, 10 stalls away or something. So that's a, that's kind of a long way to go for us. So what I'm going to do, because he gets too excited, he gets too, too much, too big and starts leading way far ahead. And this is going to be a current problem because I haven't been working with him much lately. So I am going to anticipate that that may come into, to play. And so as we head out, I'm going to take tactics that I used when I first started working with him, um, or first started addressing this, this challenge, you know, a, a behavior I didn't want to, to see more of was him walking like really, uh, I'm at his barrel. I mean, he's way far ahead of me. He's as far ahead of me as he could be. You know, he's not even looking at me because if he were, he wouldn't be so far ahead. So this is another one of his kind of habits. So what I'm going to do with him, I'm going to immediately go out and take one step and stop. I'm going back to Liberty leading. This is lesson two, but what am I working on? I'm working on the downward transitioning to the stand beside me and turn your head away with relaxation. So I'm going back to this very simple behavior, which is based on this fundamental. So Liberty leading is built upon this very early behavior of turn your head away, stand beside me. I call it a default position, stand beside me be nice and quiet and relaxed. I want to be the favorite behavior in the world. So I kind of take a, a, a variation of it. I say one step, we stop, you turn your head away or, or keep your head to yourself really at this point. One step, stop, keep your head to yourself. I'm, I'm reinforcing the downward transition and the quieting. And so I'm going to start with that. So now I've got him thinking about me and not about 
walking off and letting his adrenaline build. I'm keeping it low and I'm keeping the focus on me and I'm reinforcing him for paying attention to where my footfalls are. I don't want to have to pull on the halter. I want him to pay attention to what my feet are doing, what my body's doing, what I'm doing. Okay. So I'm going to start and just stall right here again. I've just been, as I've been standing and talking, I've been just been reinforcing him for standing quietly beside him. And, and at first it was a little much and it's kind of settled into, okay, this is just what we're going to do. And, and with clarity, oftentimes comes relaxation when he knows, oh, we're just standing here. I don't do all that stuff. We're just standing here. A lot of times he relaxes because he knows what the criteria is and the criteria is working for him. So my job is to make that criteria clear. How can I make it clear so you know what that looks like? So I I started with that. So now I'm going to open the door and we're going to step outside. And I'm going to get his whole body outside and straighten him on the aisle. So it is kind of a little bit of a, a, you know, clearing the door. So it is kind of a couple little steps in there. And then I'm going to say, oh, and I slowed down and I stopped and he stopped with me. Now in Liberty leading, and so I clicked and reinforced. If I forget to say that, just throw that in. (laughs) Because when I see what I want, I see what I like. When he does what I ask, I always click and reinforce the horse, whoever it is. So I, as I asked him to stop and slow down, he did great. But I gave him with liberally leading. Oftentimes I don't use the verbal. I just use the, the, my feet stop, you stop. But I use, I put the verbal in there, which we really strengthened on the reverse round pen. I put it in there to help give him extra clarity extra, an extra cue, an extra attention. If he maybe wasn't paying enough attention to, to me, I also gave him an auditory cue for, as well as a visual cue. So I, I wanted to set him up for success. I wanted to get him thinking about me and what I'm doing and see that this is what, how we're going to move ahead. So I'm going to take another step forward this time without the verbal woe. I'm just going to stop myself and see if he can't pay attention to that. And And that was a little bit harder for him, but he did it. He's a little bit ahead of me. So what I'm going to do, since he stopped a little bit forward, I'm going to feed him back where I want his head and body to be. So I reach kind of under his chin. I'm feeding him on the other side, but I'm feeding him kind of, my arm is sort of against his chest. My hand is reached out to the other side, but it means he took a step back in order to comfortably take the food. So I helped correct his position a little bit, not by yanking or poking or pulling, but simply by feeding where I want his head to be. So now we're going to take, now I have two choices. Do I take another step forward and use the woe? Do I just take another step forward and see if he is paying a little bit more attention? I'm going to this time, I'm going to try just taking another step forward and see if I am not can't get his mind in the game or if his mind isn't now in the game. So I take a step forward and perfect. And so then I, I and I woed and I didn't want to say, whoa, for you guys, because then I'd say it for him, but I will say it now, but he paid attention simply to my body language. It's almost like he was anticipating it now. Now he's looking for the woe. He knows that that's what we're going to be doing. And so now he's paying more attention. He's focused to me, on me and he's, he's anticipating going, now we're going to stop. Now we're going to stop. So I clicked and reinforced him for that. Now I'm going to take another step forward and I'm going to stop again. 
and I'm going to click and reinforce. Okay. I feel like we're in a good place. I'm going to try taking two steps forward. Now I'm risking something. I know him and I know that I'm setting him up for success, but I am risking something as I take a step forward or take two steps forward. Oftentimes in the early stages for a horse, this takes their adrenaline up, you know, just that little bit, just one more step (laughs) takes their adrenaline up. So I'm going to take two steps, but I'm going to put the woe back in there or the easy and see if I can't remind him that I'm, or, or say it a little bit quieter and see if I can't remind him that the two steps is now going to be turning into still the downward transition. The focus isn't on the steps. The focus is on the downward transition. So we're going to take our two steps and oh, perfect, perfect, perfect. And that was really good. He, he, I, I knew that he, I, I might lose him there and he might get excited and that was really good. And that was perfect. And so now we're going to take another two steps. And that was good. We haven't gotten very far. Two steps and perfect. And I'm feeding. And we haven't gotten very far. I don't care if it takes me 30 minutes to get to the arena. I'd rather get there with success and teaching him something. The goal isn't really about getting to the arena. It's about getting the relaxation. So we're going to work on that all the way there. And I don't care how many, how how many times, if I have to go back to one step, turn your head away, one, one tiny little step, turn your head away. Cause a lot of times I even start with a little teeny tiny step and then to a regular step and then to a step and a half and then to two steps and three steps and five steps. But we're going to, this time we're going to go off and see if we can do three steps. And if we can do three steps, I think we can, we'll see, well, we'll see what we get. Don't talk ahead. Okay. So, and we're going to go one, and two and three. Perfect. And I didn't say anything there. I simply stopped and softened and he stopped and softened with me. And so that was really good. And I reinforced him and reinforced him. I'm going to reinforce him a couple handfuls for that because it was really good. And we're going to go on to five steps. So he's chewing. I don't care that he's chewing. We're going to move on anyway. He will chew and walk at Liberty. So I know that we can do this. So we're going to move on having food in his mouth. So now we're taking a few strides. Having the food in his mouth can also help keep him a little bit calm and a little bit less, you know, it can keep him a little quieter. And then we stopped and that was perfect. And you know what? He's still chewing (laughs) and that's all right. I'm still clicking and reinforcing more. Okay. And now we're going to go, we're going to go like 10 steps. That's a a big one. But, but I think he, I, I feel like where we've gotten to now, once I've got his head in the game and he's like, oh, I get it. I pay attention to you. And I have him shifting gears because once he gets in that I'm going and my adrenaline's up, I have to help him to shift gears back down to me and focus and think and bring it back down and do the hard thing, which is bringing it back down. And and then I'm going to let you do the fun thing. So once we get to the arena, I'm going to turn him out and just let him go. We're going to step inside. I'm going to take off his halter and then I'm going to let him go and have turnout time. And I'll take Henley to be out with them and they can run and play. So if he's feeling a lot of energy, I'm going to say, I get it. I'm going to give you an outlet for that energy in a minute. But first I need you to, to keep it together with me. Okay. 
So he's still chewing, but we're going to march on. And, and he is where, and I'm making this part super duper reinforcing because this is really the important part. And so now we're going to walk on and we're walking and, and, oh, and I clicked right there and I fed, we're still walking, but I clicked and I fed and we're still walking and I fed again. And what I like there is as we were walking, I could see his eye kind of start to look around the place, which I thought, uh oh, he's going to go follow that split focus onto what is this? What is that? And he didn't. I saw him kind of bring his little head down back a little bit. And he kind of, his eye went and looked at me. And I love that because he needs to be focusing on me if he's going to pay attention to me stopping and giving cues. So I like that he's like, oop. And he brought himself, he made a decision. He made a decision to bring himself back to me and what I'm doing. And that decision was really, really vital to me. I love that. That was really, really important. Okay. So now we are at the arena. I'm going to stop right before the arena. So the door is not stopping him. I mean, the gate, he's choosing to stop with me. And that is perfect. He did. So I reinforced that. I'm going to open the door. And then we're going to step inside and I'm going to ask him to stop and relax with me. Now that the arena can symbolize all sorts of turnout and fun or ridden work or whatever, not ridden work with no tack on, but, but it can, it can, it, it can generate a lot of adrenaline, excitement, something's about to happen or even just a session. So I want to, before I do anything, I want to say, I want you to stop and let's, let's bring our energy down. And that was really good and reinforced him for bringing energy down. I'm going to take the halter off. That's perfect. And I click and reinforce him again. And what I reinforced there, he didn't flip his head out of the halter kind of, you know, too excited. And he also stayed with me. Once the halter's off, I don't want him busting away. I want him to go, I'm here with you. And then that is good. And then I say, all done. And I put my hands up and I just walk promptly out of the arena. So what I did there is I, we brought him to the arena. I took him to something fun and exciting for him to do. He loves being turned out and he has lots of energy. I am now even as we're talking, I'm going back in to give him a little bit of a jackpot so that he knows that session is done. We technically did a session. But I want to, to tell him that that was great. I like how it all ended. It all went great. The bucket was just outside, so I had to go get it. And so poor planning on my part. So I had to go get the bucket. I'm giving him his jackpot, and, and then I'm stepping outside. So that was really, really good for him. He didn't have a lot of slipping in this, in this session. But, but he could have. He has had plenty of time in other sessions. And I've just had to go back again and go back again and go back again. Say, stand and turn your head away. Stand and turn your head away. Half a step. Stand, turn your head away. Half a step. Stand, turn your head away. One step. And and so I've had to go back and really build on that. And sometimes I didn't even go to, you know, the arena. I, I might do something else. But But in this situation, he was actually really good. But I thought about the steps I used to get there. I used them preemptively. I didn't wait till he did it wrong and thought, oh, now let me go back and show you. I got him to say yes at every step along the way. And that's really important. And because a lot of times, once you get them to say no, you've got 
you have to backpedal to get him back on track. So I really tried to help him stay on track through the whole thing and, and anticipate where it might go wrong and try to set him up for success. And it really worked and I'm really proud of him. So I'm going to go uh, put my stuff away. I'm going to leave him turned out for a while, but I'm going to go get Henley and put her in with him. And then we are going to meet and we are going to talk about our homework. So you finish up with your horse. Hopefully you had a good session. You made some progress. And we will meet back in the classroom uh, as soon as you're all finished up with all your things. Get your horse back to a safe place and get things wrapped up. Okay, talk to you in a few minutes. Hello, we're back and ready for some homework. And of course, homework is important because this is you processing what we learned today and then thinking, where do I go from here and how, what do I do? How do, what does it look like? So we're going to kind of talk about some homework and, and we're going to talk about, um, just reflect a little bit about what we did today. And one of the things I wanted to elaborate on a little bit more was that when I saw Nico make the decision to look at me. I didn't create it. He was walking with me at a place that was reasonable for me. Even if he started to go a little further ahead of me, I still might not have said anything. I may not have said, whoa, easy, because I will use those if I need to. But but he has been showing me, in the beginning, I used those a lot, but he's been showing me that he he is a little more focused. So as he's looking around, I thought this may lead to him walking off and then I'm going to have to make a new decision. Do I not walking off because he's still in lead rope, but, but walking ahead and walking kind of out of my, you know, where it's the focus is on what we're doing and I have a decision to make. Do I, do I use a verbal or do I, you know, what do I do? How do I do that? Or do I let him go and see what he does with it? But he, instead, he, just said, oh, you know what? I, I'm going to check back in with you. And that that is so significant. Catching those moments of decision are really, really, really important. Because as he made a decision to be back to me or a decision to trot or a decision to do whatever they make a decision to do, they can be in the middle of just trotting, you know, and he's not thinking about trotting anymore. Let's say he had a problem with trotting and he's just thinking about trot. He's not thinking about trotting. He's thinking about, oh yeah, look over there and look over there, but I'm just trotting. I didn't catch the moment when he gave me his upward, upward transition and made the decision to go into the trot. So I want to go, yes, I like what you're thinking. Even though it breaks up the momentum, not so much in the, the leading exercise because that that was, that stopped him, which is what we we're doing anyway. You know, it had him slow down, but even though it breaks up the momentum, it's important to catch those and say, I like what you were thinking. Now we can't stay there. We move off of that. We build duration on that. And pretty soon when Nico and we're leading looks at me I, I, as we get kind of back to where we used to be, I might just say, good boy, Nico, and acknowledge him versus reinforcing him all the time for that. But at this early stage where we're kind of getting our, you know, getting back to it, 
and getting back to working on this, I do appreciate that decision. So I go back to those early stages where I said, yes, that was a good decision. I love that decision. I appreciate it. But you know what else it meant? And we build duration. Like I said, you naturally build duration on those things, but I will take a few of those and say, yes, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. And the other thing that decision tells me, and I think this is really, really important to keep in mind is that as he was finding walking off being more reinforcing in a big sense. He didn't do it today because I, like I said, I helped set him up for success. But if he were um, like in his normal times, he, when he is in his not great position before I kind of really address this, he found it quite reinforcing to walk ahead. He found it quite reinforcing to, if I asked him to stop, to, to stop curl in front of me and stop where all I see is his mid body. Cause he, you know, when he stopped, he had too much momentum and then he he can't help but stop facing me, you know, or, or curling around in front of me. So those were where we would be. So as we, that was reinforcing for him to be out in front, to be going and thinking ahead and moving and wanting to get there. That was all very reinforcing, whether it came from tension or it came from overexcitement. It doesn't really matter, but what the result was or what it showed me, those things served him more than stopping to pay attention to me. Those things are more reinforcing, whether he's getting something he wants, avoiding something he doesn't want, that part doesn't matter. Those were serving him better. And now, as he said, oh, I'm looking around, I'm looking around. They said, you know what? I don't want to follow that gaze around. I want to check back in with my human. And so that showed me, he found checking in with me, staying with me and, and, and mentally checking in with me, visually checking in with me was more reinforcing than following his gaze and building up his momentum and letting his adrenaline rise. So I think it's really important when they make those decisions because it shows you they're now the reinforcement history is starting to change. And this is starting to be more reinforcing than that other thing. And that's really important because really that is what impulse control is about. It is about, and this is what we're talking about here, folks. This is all about impulse control and self-regulation. We're trying to help that horse who has too much energy, too overexcited, too wound up to bring themselves back to a, a physically settled place and hopefully a mentally settled place. So, but what it, what we're really doing, we're making it more reinforcing for them. We're building up a reinforcement history with a downward transition and starts with the physical downward transition and the physical place, because that's where the, uh, it starts at the physical place because that's all I can really see. I can see that you are literally stopping you're literally slowing down. You're literally standing a little calmer. Those things I literally can see. But what are they? They're all downward transitions. They're all settling. They're all quieting. So then pretty soon I can say, okay, now that you've stopped and I've reinforced your stop a lot, now that we're stopped, can I look for your head to come down just a little. And now that's the new piece. And can I look for your nostril to soften just a little? That's the new piece. Can I look for your eyes to soften a little? Yes, that's the new piece. Now I'm, I'm physically helping them to settle each of those little pieces. And, and we could argue that inside they are still excited. They're still big. They're still, they're still too much, but 
that's all, all I can do is look at the outward signs that I see. And what I have seen is that the as we work on those outward signs, I start to see the things I'm reading for tension and too much energy are all their 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 head, their feet, their their position, their head carriage, their mouth, their nose, their eyes, their you know the tension in their jaw, their you know the tension, the muscles in their body. I all of those things tell me, are you tense or are you relaxed? And as I see the physical signs of relaxation become greater and greater and greater and greater and greater, I can feel relatively comfortable saying they are mentally relaxed. And I can see them stand quietly next to me and look like I don't have a care in the world and start to build that. So are they mentally, are we creating relaxation? We're creating it kind of from the, as they, they settle and quiet and settle and quiet and settle and quiet, we start to see a horse that is showing us that they are, that they're not in need to rush off and do things. And I think we can say, they are actually relaxed. And so we, we start with the little bits and we shape that relaxation. But what we're really doing, we're building such a strong reinforcement history with that relaxation that when we ask them to go there, they're like, that's my favorite behavior. And so is it really impulse control? I don't know. We could, we could argue that point all day. Is it really self-regulation? Yes, I think that is for sure. But what they're doing instead of following their impulse to go run and play and buck or, 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 or sulk or not go or not there, you know, that, that's an impulse to do something too. We're teaching them instead of following that impulse off to do all those things you feel like doing, we're creating a new, stronger reinforcement history with making the choice to choose to settle, to choose to stand quietly, to choose to be with me. So all that is really an important skill. And it's something I think we need to work on and, and work on constantly. But it, sometimes we have found ourselves in that place where we have a horse who's too much, too excited, too big, too, you know, we, we've got an excited horse. So we didn't mean to do it, but we got there. That's all right. That's just where we get sometimes. And so we're going to, I want you to encourage you to take the steps to help to build that relaxation and get back to that relaxation. So in this exercise today, I really helped to set them up for success. How could I do that? But I also had pieces in place that I could go to and I had a game plan. This would be a great place to work out a shaping plan. I mean, it always is great to work out a shaping plan and lay out what would I do if. So I'm going to do this to help prevent, to hopefully help prevent him from being too excited. And it could be that I took him out for a little loop right outside of his stall and put him right back in and said, that's all we're going to do today. You know, and then, then the guys go take him out and do something. And I do it again after um, he's been relaxed a bit, but, uh, but, and, but, and, and I'm also going to tell you that the fact of the matter is there's times when you're like, I have a horse who leads like a monster, but I, I can't stop leading him, you know, so we, I still have to get him to turn out or I have to bring him in or I have to get him to the, you know, whatever it is, you still need to teach him to lead and you can't just do this little circle and put him back. You know, you have to get places. So what I just tried to do is really set yourself up for success, having lots of food with you and lots of time with you. So you can little by little get to that place. And if it takes you a half hour, it takes you a half hour. 
you know, that's something that would take you three minutes to get to, but, but, but build that skill, take that time to use that and break it down to those little itty bitty pieces, those little successive approximations, which ultimately are the building blocks for creating this behavior in the future, just like I did with, with Nico. So I think it's important to recognize what, what we're trying to get to and, and, and to, back to the, the the shaping plan or, or having an idea where you want to go with this. So, so as you're thinking, okay, I'm going to set them up for success by going little small itsy bitsy pieces. I'm going to, and then building from there and see if we can't get it. But what if he goes too big when I ask him to take the first step? Nico didn't do it today, but what if he did? I had a plan. Okay. I, this is a calculated risk. Okay, first I'm going to give him everything I can to help him know that I'm looking for that downward transition. I can go little teeny tiny steps. I can go a half step. I can go a step and a half. I can go, you know, those little bits as we get bigger. But having a plan, what if it does get too big? Okay, then I'm going to go back to one tiny step, one tiny step, one tiny step, one tiny step. Okay, can we do a step again? And so have a plan. What am I going to do? How will I address it? How can I get him back to being successful? So it is, and and be conservative on these things. So it'd be better to take too many steps and go too slow than to go too fast and have the adrenaline get him carried away. So whether it's the frustrated horse, the over-aroused horse, the overexcited horse, I work directly with leading, but you may still be just working in his stall. This is where I encourage you to go back to lesson one because lesson one really addresses the relaxation. Then I'd go on to lesson two, which is the liberty leading, which is dealing with the a little bit of adrenaline coming up with the downward transition, a little bit of adrenaline with downward transition. So we're starting to get some of that self-regulation in motion. So I would, I would encourage you to go to those places, but when in doubt out there, you go back to this basic leading exercise and say, I need you to slow down, whether it's Liberty leading or leading with the halter and lead rope. Basically I was doing Liberty leading with the halter and lead rope. And so I didn't pull on the halter and lead rope. It was just there for safety reasons, but I asked him to follow my body. So working on those basic fundamental pieces will help quite a bit. Then as you're working on behaviors with your horses, if you see the adrenaline going up, you go, okay, it's time to go back to our basic fundamental pieces. You know, we need, I want to go back to liberty leading and quietness and settling and standing in the default position and building up duration with standing at the default position and bring that until you feel like, okay, you feel settled again. I feel like you truly have let go of that energy. You haven't gone through the motions and you look like you're about to explode. You really look like, you know, the eyes look soft. You look settled again. And, and, and sometimes I don't go back to the big exercise, the big thing that was maybe bringing him up and that's okay. You think I'm going to get back to that later. I'd rather this be, this needs to be the most important behavior in the world to me anyway, is standing quietly because we can always work off of that. That's easy. But if I can, I can bring you back to this, then I can bring you up. And you know what I'm going to point out to you? One of the things I really, really look for in a horse, I really, really want in a horse that I feel like is in a good state, a good learner, a horse who is really primed for being a partner who shows up suited up, ready to play, is the horse that can slow down and pay attention to what I'm doing. 
So they're processing in their head and they're thinking, what are you doing? I'm analyzing what you're doing. I'm going to slowly and thoughtfully try to do this. The horse that just throws me a thousand behaviors at a thousand miles an hour, I'm clicking. I need to click because he did the part, but does he know what part it was? You know, it's, but if he does it slowly and thoughtfully, then I can very clearly delineate what piece is it and it helps them and and the horses start to find their way there when they've learned to slow down and focus so it's really important to me that the mind can mentally slow down and process the information a manic mind isn't the best learning mind so it's it's a it's a very good tool to go let's get back to quiet let's slow our mind down and let's be able to slow down and think because if they're too excited, they also can't think well. So it's kind of a lot of food for thought in these things. This is a bigger picture exercise for you, but I really hope that this has helped you to address some of the maybe overexcited, over aroused, over, over eager, frustrated horse, and hopefully to get them to relaxation. And literally, we didn't really talk about over arousal as dropping, but dropping become, becomes part of that. And that, it can, that can be its whole ball of wax. So I'm not going into that a lot, but, but it can be that it's, it's trying too hard. It's too excited. It's too frustrated. It can mean a lot of things, but, but that it, we're not really addressing the over arousal part. So anyway, so I hope helped you out. I hope this gave you some food for thought. I think this is one of the biggest issues that people get themselves out there. So I'm really, uh, excited that we got to kind of address it today and and get um, hopefully helping some of you out there that haven't known exactly what to do with that horse. <laughs> and you can do it. We can train anything. We can sort out anything. It's just a behavior. I mean, it's just a matter of sorting out what's happening and figuring out uh, how to create the right behavior, changing the reinforcement history, and then putting the time in. Because I'd say the things that that are not so easy to change is the things that people are then say, I don't, I'm not willing to put the time in that it's going to take to do that. And that's understandable. Sometimes for some horses, it can be a long time. So I hope that helped you. I hope that gives you loads of ideas of things to do and helping your little eager learner be a little more confident in what they're doing a little more relaxed. <clears throat> okay. You can listen to this lesson, this podcast on most of your favorite podcast players. You can listen on the Horse Radio Network app, which is um, available for both your Android devices and your Apple, your iPhones. And it is, the app is clearly easy to use. It's free. It, it simplifies things. Just search on the Horse Radio Network in the App Store and you will find it. And you can also listen to this on my website, which is um, if you go to shawnacarish.com, you look for the tab that says podcasts and you will find your way to uh, to to all of them. I mean, there's, there's 49 episodes now. So there's a lot, have a search around, see what appeals to you. And then, um, you also, when you're there, of course, as I mentioned earlier in the, in the, in our lesson, in our time together is you will find the, uh, via Nova training, uh, website and you can have a look around there to remind you about what we're doing out here at Via Nova. And when we hit the road or when we're open again for workshops 
And I want to encourage you to listen to not only this show, but there are a ton of great shows on the Horse Radio Network. It is, I mean, there's loads, loads and loads. I, I can't even count. I mean, I probably could count, but, but there's so many that it's, there's something for everyone. There's multiples for everyone. So I want to really encourage you to go to www.horseradionetwork.com. Look around and find a show that, that fits your fancy. And a huge thank you to Via Nova Priority Depositive for sponsoring this show and making it available for all of you people out there. Anyway, until next time, bye-bye. 